Hello and welcome to Backflips and Nerds episode 107. Uh, I'm your host tonight, Tom Pringle. Tonight I'm going to be joined by the Detroit Tigers minor league writer and evaluator at the and also the national prospect writer and evaluator for the Athletic MLB and also the champion of minor league players' rights. It's Emily Walden. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you for coming on. This is absolutely brilliant. Um, so you're currently in a coffee house then at the moment, is that right? I am. I'm trying to hide out from the uh, the classic Michigan weather that we're we're hoping is coming near the tail end. But yeah, we're having a, a nice little storm that's blowing through. So I'm sitting here drinking a hot latte and hoping to stay inside if at all possible. <laughs> that sounds like a good plan to me. I imagine you cope with it better than the Brits, though, who just start panicking at a centimetre of snow. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, we're we're used to the weather here. We don't like it, but we're we're used to it. So even when we get these storms, life sort of goes on, and we try to not complain about it too much. Uh, we we love complaining, as you're probably well aware. We absolutely love complaining <laughs> as Brits. So yeah, you keep muscling on through and just keeping quiet. Um, right, let's uh, let's start right at the beginning then. So so what what sort of got you into baseball in the first place? Was it a family thing? Was it friends around you? Um, and sort of where did you grow up? Was it the, the, the standard thing to be into at that time? Yeah, I actually, I was born and raised in Michigan and my dad is very much a baseball person. And so growing up, my siblings and I were used to watching games on TV. Um, my brothers played for a really long time. I would help my dad do practices when he coached for a bit. And just the knowledge of the game and kind of having it be that that comfortable place and just really so many good memories tied to it. Um, when I had the opportunity to start pursuing it as being a part of the industry, it really just made sense. Um, it obviously wasn't an easy, easy journey by any means, but it was very stretching and it was very, very much a process of helping me discover more about who I am and what I'm capable of. And then along the way, sort of learning and growing and realizing that it's something that just brings me a lot of happiness so I consider myself to be very blessed to be a part of it yeah it's a it's it's I've always been struck by the fact that it's quite a um once you're in it's a very welcoming industry and a very family and like industry the fact that I suppose it's the element of everyone traveling around together and seeing the same faces over and over again and it always strikes me that it's um yeah once you're in then it's a lot better um so when, when you were growing up then, was was there any favorite team you had or any players that kind of you had to watch? Yeah, with being raised in Michigan, obviously the Detroit Tigers were a bit of a default for us, you know, being so close to, uh, to the team. But both of my parents actually grew up out of Michigan. Uh, my mom grew up in Illinois. And so her, or her parents were uh, both very, very loyal Cubs fans. And then my dad, who grew up in Arkansas, grew up as a St. Louis Cardinals fan so they kind of had different teams that they cheered for and so both of those teams actually hold some some of a a special place in my heart just being tied to my parents and some good memories from when I was young but yeah it's really it's really been the Tigers for quite a long time and it's as you know had its ups and downs and it's been an interesting ride for this organization but following the minor league side of it has really been a fun adventure for me so that's helped uh, help with the process while the major league team works work some of the kinks out <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's not talk about the 2013 ALCS at all um so yeah Cubs Cardinals that's a that's an interesting one then having two different sides coming together to form a family 
Um, very much so. Very much so. It's a little bit of one of those Romeo and Juliet type stories where, you know, you had the, the two clubs that yeah. you know, sort of <laughs> weren't, weren't the biggest fans of each other. But at the same time, um, really had some fun memories with that. My grandpa used to tell me, you know, you watch those Cubs are going to get back to the World Series. And we'd say, no, 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 Grandpa, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> and lo and behold, he was right and got to watch, you know, obviously them get their title and that was really, really special for me just after all the conversations I had had with my grandpa who has yeah. since passed on. So it, uh, it was a really cool moment for sure. Oh, that's fantastic. At least you got to see it. That's, that's super. That's really good to know. Um, so what, what kind of got you into writing then? What started you off? Is there anyone who inspired you or is it just something you always wanted to do? Yeah, it was, it was really something that I used as an outlet when I was young. I was, I was very, very shy when I was younger. And so it was a bit of an outlet for me to, you know, get out all the words inside my head when I didn't want to share them with people. Um, And I've always enjoyed it. I hadn't had any um, extended schooling with it, though. And so my thought with being able to pursue it as a career, I thought, you know, who's who's going to want to hire me because I don't have, you know, a degree, I don't have the schooling for it. So it always kind of held me back a little bit as far as wondering if it's something I could accomplish. Um, And it was really, uh, it was a case of me really starting from scratch. Um, That was the hardest part is not really knowing where to begin, but just sort Mm -hmm. of feeling my way through it, asking a lot of questions and having some really fantastic people sort of come alongside me and support me along the way. And that was really a huge blessing for me. What, um, what sort of things did you write about then when you were younger? What, was it just baseball or was it anything? Um, yeah, when I first started um, officially pursuing this, um, it, was, it was a mix of, you know, just kind of journaling. It was a mix of um, just sort of putting my own thoughts on paper and um, a little bit of poetry, a little bit of, you know, making up some fiction and things like that. And then yeah. As I realized how much I enjoyed baseball, I thought, you know, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can sort of, you know, test the waters a little bit and see what happens. And that's really what's been developing over the last few years. That's cool. So did you did you start blogging or did you go into uh, forums, fan forums or anything and start writing on there? Yeah, I actually, I had really an amazing opportunity um, with a small town newspaper. Um, They were looking, which unbeknownst to me, they were looking for someone to help with some of their sports coverage. Mm -hmm. And I had presented a piece that I wrote to the sports editor, not expecting anything out of it by any means. But he, you know, to make a long story short, he reached out to me and he said, we love what you've done. How would you like to start writing for us once a week? And that opened up really the start of the adventure for me so I ended up working for them for a bit and got to be featured on the front page of the sports section which was just a surreal opportunity and um, little by little that's really what kind of got me off the ground and led to my first blogging opportunity and that's really when my Tigers coverage began. So who who kind of spotted you with the Tigers coverage then was that was that with the sports paper? Um, Yeah it was actually um the editing team at Bless You Boys, which is a blog at SB Nation, um, for those who aren't familiar with it, and they do strictly Detroit Tigers coverage. And so one of the editors reached out to me and said, hey, I've been reading the articles, because I would post the links to my newspaper articles, and he said, I've been reading your stuff, I really like it, how would you like to come write for us? And the thought of it 
was it was one of those things where I thought, oh, good, I get to go and interview Miguel Cabrera because I'll what he wants to do. And then it was funny that I never had aspirations to cover minor league baseball. But one of the editors presented that in knowing I lived close to one of the Tigers affiliates. And he said, hey, what do you think about, you know, doing some minor league coverage? And I thought, well, you know, what could it hurt? I'll I'll give it a go and see what happens. And so little by little, I kind of began to build this foundation and build this this coverage base. And um, it's really what's developed over the last few years. And this is year number five for me. So it's it's been a blur. That's for sure. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, that's, that's quite a rapid rise. So was that was that your first paid gig or did that come later on? Yeah, my first paid gig was with a newspaper. So they they paid me per article. And then I've been fortunate enough to have paid gigs ever since then. So it's it's been a process of really building up to where I believe that I'm worth as far as as my product goes and having a lot of very, very intelligent people who have been in the business and really pushing me to demand what I deserve. Um, which is a very hard thing for me. I'm not a demanding person, but in in an industry where so many people want content for free, um, if you really want it, you, if you want to earn the respect and you want to show people you're serious, that you really have to stand your ground on that and say, I at least want to make something for this that I'm putting my effort into. So a lot of people have been extremely kind and very supportive, and that's really what's helped me get to where I am right now. No, that's fantastic. Um, so this this isn't actually still your full-time job, though, isn't it? You still haven't managed to get it full-time. You're still juggling two jobs at the moment. So what, what's your second job as you're trying to do this at the same time? Yeah, my, uh, my other job, which I'm working part-time along with my baseball writing, um, I'm a customer experience manager for a Mercedes-Benz dealership. So I work with uh, customers, make sure that they've been fully supported throughout their experience, help solve any situations that they've run into and work alongside our team to to make sure that they're satisfied customers. So it definitely keeps me on my toes. Um, as, as we were talking about earlier, I'll be headed to Arizona for spring training in about two weeks. And then I'll be sort of cutting back my, my day job hours to allow more room for writing and getting more opportunity there. So it'll, it'll be another juggling thing, but I've got a few possibilities in the works right now. Um, with a chance of some full-time work in the future so it's it's a it's a bit of a juggling act but I definitely enjoy what I'm able to do I think that's incredible I mean we we kind of do this on the side for our day jobs and we don't get any money for it and we just do it for fun so clearly there's no pressure for us to get those articles out to do that that analysis that prospect writing all that watching and so the fact that you can actually juggle two jobs is just incredible I think that's amazing thank Um, you so when did the call from The Athletic come then um, to join their, their coverage? Yeah, that will actually have been two years ago this coming July. Mm-hmm. That'll be my two-year anniversary. And they had launched, I want to say June of 2017, and they brought me on board in July of 2017 just to uh, to kind of bring some some national or some coverage from the farm system and um, get people familiar with the minor league players, especially with how much the major league club was struggling. And they really wanted to give the readers a little bit more of an education on who was coming up in the system and how all of that was working. So that's something I've been involved with. Um, Yeah. Coming up on two years. And then I've also expanded into doing some of the national coverage 
um, for the Athletic MLB. So it's it's really been a fun a fun adventure to be a part of. How I mean, how does that call work? How does it come in? Because like you see all these people signing up with the Athletic and saying this is why I joined the Athletic. Was it kind of a bit of a heart racing moment? I'm trying to remember now. Was the the Athletic was fairly young at those stages, wasn't it? It was um was that like a, a about six months old, maybe a year old? Yeah, well, what they did, they launched the Detroit chapter about, yeah, it'll be two years in June since they've launched that. And they had launched some of the other city groups before that. So it's been like a gradual process of getting different cities in place, putting all of that together. But it was that was really more at the beginning stages. And then they went on beyond that to to open up a great deal more cities, They expanded into Canada um, and really sort of built, you know, a very, very knowledgeable base um, with, uh, you know, what they were able to produce as far as content goes. And so that was something that was really fun to watch develop and um, just see what it's turned into now. And obviously they have guys like Ken Rosenthal and Jason Stark and Peter Gammons and some of the heaviest hitters in the industry. So it's, it's definitely been very humbling to be a part of. Oh, it's it's awesome. The coverage is superb. Um, I think I can't remember which podcast I was listening to recently, but they were just talking about it and saying the fact there's zero adverts on there. You can just scroll through and just enjoy it. It's it's genuinely good coverage. It's not, you know, it's not it's not like puff pieces or anything as well. There's long form. There's the short form. There's questions and answers. Mm-hmm. And if if this isn't supposed to be an advertisement for the athletic, but if you want to get involved, then go go and seek out a discount code um, because it's so good it really is good and obviously people get to read you as well emily which is uh, uh, fantastic yes. news um, thank you so so when like, I'm, I'm really interested to know when that call came in from the athletic was it a call was it an email was it like you might want to apply for this how did it work yeah i actually struck up conversation with um craig Custance, who is the editor-in-chief for detroit and we started speaking over direct message on twitter and okay he sort of put it out there and said, hey, would you be interested in doing some minor league coverage for us? And I said, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I would be happy to. Very so, much so. <laughs> yes, very much so. So getting to have that opportunity and work with Craig, who's just an absolute monster in the hockey industry. I mean, he's, he's a legend. He's been doing what he's doing for a very long time, along with Katie Strang, who's one of the other um, well-known names for the Detroit group um, and just being able to work alongside them has been just an incredible opportunity because I'm the kind of person that I'm always looking to get better I'm always looking to learn and to grow and I'm um, really pursuing the opportunities to improve as a writer and as someone in the baseball industry and so having all of these different people available and, and ready to speak with me has just been such an incredible experience and I I can't say enough about it. I could go on forever. <laughs> so do you end up in like a, um, a Slack channel with all the other athletic writers? Yes. Yep. We actually have a Slack channel. And so I will jump in the, the national channel and the Detroit channel and we'll, you know, shoot ideas back and forth and talk about things. And um, it's really, it's a very, very interesting community to be a part of. Does, does Ken Rosenthal ever come in and say, does anyone know how to reset my password? I've forgotten that again. <laughs> I have not seen those conversations as of yet, <laughs> but it's a very good possibility. I think it happens to the best of us. <laughs> I was going to say, I really want it to be, though, because he's like, you know, the main name that's out there. He was the big one they signed to begin with. I just want him to be like a bit forgetful and a bit, bit silly in that sense. <laughs> I don't know why. I always have this thing where I want these like superstars to just be a little bit weird and a little bit like normal and almost human. 
Well, and the thing that I would say about Ken, I've had the opportunity to speak with him a few different times, and he is one of the most invested people with the team that he's a part of. And, you know, here I'm very hard on myself and don't really feel like I'm that big of a deal at all. And I mean, he's taken time to speak with me on the phone about some different things. And we've spoken over Twitter message multiple times and he's very much available. And so I think having those conversations with him really sort of, I don't know if it's the right term, but like humanized him to me, made him very approachable and just, you know, this guy who's, he's been in the industry for, you know, however many years, as long as I can remember. And being able to speak with him and sort of glean from his wisdom is is really something special. That's amazing. So um, if you're if you're looking for that inspiration or you're looking for that hit or you're looking for that clarification of the piece, who do you, who do you reach out to and start looking at their writing? Is there anyone that you sort of pick up and go, I need to read this. If I read this, it will it will sort me out and I can get this piece finished. Yeah, I would say there's there's a couple of different ones. Um, Corey Pronman is actually someone who came on board with the athletic and he does hockey prospect coverage. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he writes about all the minor league hockey players, which is a really interesting thing for me because I can kind of look at the stuff he's put together and I can sort of weigh that and say, how would this be accepted in the baseball community? If I were to take a spin off of this and, you know, rank certain ages, rank by position, you know, the different types of lists that he puts out. And then when it comes to just, you know, good quality long form or that storytelling aspect. There's so many people I could talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Quite a few that uh, they've, they've really just sort of become, you know, their own names. Mark Carrick, he's somebody who um, writes for the New York chapter, Lindsay Adler. She's just incredible. Um, And I'm probably going to draw a blank on, on the other names. There's so many of them. Don't worry about it. I'll put pressure on you there. (laughs) (laughs) I put pressure Um, on you there. So many of them. um, And just the ones that I've been able to speak with who have been so encouraging and supportive. It just, it's really made me feel very blessed. I mean, the the nature of the athletic clearly is all online. You're all dotted around the place. Do you ever like meet up? Um, I'm guessing that might happen at Arizona and stuff, but do you ever regularly meet up and, chat about baseball or you know go for dinner or whatever yeah we um a lot of the times where i've met writers from across the athletic it's generally at an event so when i went to the arizona fall league last year i ended up meeting with probably five or six different writers Mm -hmm. that just popped up to cover different groups and obviously you've got so many prospects out there who are you know representing so many different teams so a lot of those guys i got to meet out there um, obviously I've gotten to know all the Detroit people very, very well. Um, and the other writers, it's really just different events I go to, you know, I'll try and send them a message ahead of time. I'm going to see a lot of them when I go to Arizona, I'm already planning to meet up with them out there. So it's, uh, it's definitely a community. It's a community of people. And even though we're all, you know, scattered all over the place, it's nice to know that when you come into town, that you'll have somebody there to welcome you and just feel like a part of the family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, def- it definitely seems like that. Everyone seems to get on quite well with each other. Um, and like I said at the very start, just baseball in general, I think there's that big family atmosphere. Um, so you- you're talking about going to um, uh, Arizona. Sorry, George Blank there. Going to Arizona. <laughs> um, are you uh, which which games are you looking to take in? I'm guessing they're going to be Tigers games. But is there anyone else you're going to be looking out for? 
Well, and actually, this is going to be the first year in a while that I won't see the Tigers at spring training because um, they actually are in Florida. Oh, I've so completely messed I... up there, haven't I? I've completely messed <laughs> it up. <laughs> and no, it, it's totally fine. And so that's that's something I'm a little disappointed about. But I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity to um, do some more networking on the national side and mm-hmm. provide some coverage. Specifically, I'll be seeing the Padres, Cubs, and White Sox. Um, and then a chance of seeing a few other teams as well. So kind of try and kind of gauge my, my time appropriately and hopefully get a chance to, you know, mix in some really good coverage there. So it's going to be a fun time for sure. So with the Padres, there's clearly a bunch of prospects that you're looking forward to see. Which, which ones are you sort of, you know, top three that you're looking to see from all of those games? Not necessarily each team, but which of the three you're really hoping to watch? Yeah, I would say um, as far as more of intrigue as opposed to, um, you know, just excited to see the intrigue, I think really comes with Anderson Espinosa, mm-hmm. um, who's obviously been working back from injury. Um, I was told that he'll be throwing in game probably by mid-March okay. um, if everything goes well. So he's he's someone that we're all very excited to see as far as coming back to full health. Um, obviously, Luis Patino, for anybody who follows me on Twitter, I'm definitely a very big fan of Luis Patino. Yes. I think his his development pace has been just incredible. I mean, even the Padres front office has said we never anticipated him to move ahead as quickly as he has and mm-hmm. to produce as much as he has. And then someone else who is very interesting to me, um, who I've gotten a chance to watch play a few times when he was at the lower levels, is Buddy Reed. Um, he is someone who's sort of coming into himself a little bit more. Um, he's hitting for power. He's actually a switch hitter and he's hitting for more power on both sides of the plate. So I think in that regard makes him more intriguing. I think defensively he's fantastic. He's extremely good runner. Um, very, very good instincts in the field. And so he's more of one that I would say, keep an eye on him because he could have a really big year this year if he stays healthy. Okay, so where's he sitting at the moment? Is he on AAA at the moment? or? Um, I want to say he finished in AA, if I remember okay. correctly. So I'll have to check back on that, but I believe that's where he ended. Right, okay. Um, so Luis Patino then. Where I'm just trying to load up the top 30 for the Padres because I seem to remember he's quite low down on that list. Even though, like you say, his development's been so good, he's actually quite low down on the list, and there's quite a few ahead of him at the moment. Yeah, he and that's really surprised me. I think people have been a bit slower in getting on board with um, with his projection. I mean, if you look at the pitching staff throughout the farm system, he's thrown himself among the top arms in the entire system. Um, I watched him hit triple digits last year several times and he's still 19 years old. And to watch his pitch mix, he's got just an incredible fastball. Um, really, really good off-speed pitches already. And to be that young and be able to produce the way he has, I think that just shows how bright his future is going to be. Yeah, it's just been... It's the one that the Padres fans all get excited about and talk about quite a lot. I mean, clearly there's a lot of prospects there that they're excited about. But he's the one that's sort of hidden away down the bottom. And like you say, they're incredibly excited about him in the future ahead. Very much so. And the funny thing about Luis is that they really sort of found him by mistake. Okay. They didn't really, they didn't have a plan to go see him because when they first found him, he was a bit of an undersized kid. Um, he didn't throw that hard in comparison to some of the other players they went to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's actually from Columbia, um, which 
is an area that does produce um, occasionally some different talents. And um, the way that he's jumped ahead, um, I spoke with Chris Kemp, who's international scouting director for the Padres, and he goes, he's even surpassed what I expected. Wow. He goes, you knew he was special and you knew that he was going to be something, but he goes, he's even surpassed me, you know, in understanding what what I thought he could be. So hearing that from uh, Chris Kemp, who is just an artist when it comes to international scouting, that was really something special. Yeah. Um, I think Tigers fans are going to be annoyed if we don't talk about their top prospects as well, as soon as you're <laughs> their main writer. So let's talk about the um, the Tigers prospects then. So who's who's the ones to look out for? Who are the big names? Obviously, we've got Casey Myers up there, but who else are we talking about? Yeah, Casey Myers is somebody who's already got a lot of buzz going. He's turned a couple of times so far in spring training. Um, fastball hitting about 96, 97. Um, his splitter is one of the best pitches in his entire class. Um, and it's it's looked as sharp as people expected. So just very promising, promising reports on him. Uh, Daz Cameron, who is currently in big league camp right now, um, who's gotten a chance to um, really show some of his athleticism. He had a tough day today. Um, apparently the wind was playing with the ball, so he, he missed a couple of fly balls into the outfield. But okay. really just very, very sharp kid. Um, he's developing very quickly. Um, according to his dad, Mike Cameron, who is also a former major leaguer, um, he said he believes Daz is developing quicker than he did. And knowing Mike's success and knowing the league, or the career that he had, it's that's something special. And so knowing that Daz is you know producing as well as he is and developing mm. as well as he is, he's somebody who I think is going to do a really good job. Um, and then another one that I'm I'm really interested to watch this year, especially is Cody Clemens. Um, who is the son of Roger Clemens, who I'm yeah. sure we all know. Yeah. Um, and he's he's someone who's had to work a little bit harder, but just has a really good degree of raw power, um, hit a lot of home runs when he played at Texas. And he's just got very good instincts to where I think he'll be a good infielder for them down the road. So he's, he's somebody that's going to be interesting this year. I'm going to try and switch him to a pitcher then. <laughs> Hope. Hopefully, hopefully they won't try to. I know that people have joked <laughs> with him about that. And he said, he goes, you know, I, I don't think I'm ever going to throw the way my dad threw. So I think he's very, <laughs> he's very content with where he is. And I think the good thing for these, these players who have former professional big leaguers for dads, they have to figure out their own identity. They have yeah. to, because if you try and be, you know, who your father was, or you try and be somebody else, you're never going to have the same success as if you tried to be yourself. So They've learned all this at a very young age, and I think they're all they're understanding that aspect of it very well. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, there are a few, obviously, a few instances where the, the son has done better. Just mentioning Barry Bonds and potentially Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, so let, let's go on to these minor league players. Then there's something you've <clears throat> you've been championing for some, some time now on Twitter, um, and it's also something that's coming up in an athletic piece, I believe, um, about minor leaguers' rights and essentially their their level of pay, which is pretty abysmal um you you recently put out a tweet saying in 2019 minor league players will make an average pre-tax amount between six thousand one hundred dollars single a and fourteen thousand eight hundred and fifty dollars triple a for the season the federally recognized uh, sorry again the federally recognized poverty line for a single person household in 2019 fourteen thousand three hundred and eighty dollars chew on that um I mean that that money as well. That fourteen thousand eight hundred fifty for the AAA guys for the season is just the season as well, isn't it? That's not the year. 
Correct, correct. And a lot of people don't realize they don't get paid for spring training. That's mm-hmm. that's another big part of it too. And so, um, really, my my goal with the things that I have put out there about it, it number one is I just want to use facts. I don't want to, you know, start a war. I don't want to, you know, make this into something that it's not. It's really just, it's a matter of presenting the facts to people. And the thing about AAA specifically, those wages will vary because the, the wage that is presented in that post, which I got from a friend of mine who did some research on it too, when they're in their original contract, which is a seven year contract, that's the type of wage they're looking at. So it doesn't factor in a free agent salary. It doesn't yeah. factor in, you know, how many years that they've been at that level because that will fluctuate. But really what my point with it was is how much lower, if you compare it to, you know, national the National Hockey League, if you compare it to the, you know, NBA and what those players are making, it's, it's so drastically lower that it just really makes no sense to me because a lot of these players can't fully focus on developing and becoming successful because they're worried about paying the bills. They're worried about where they're going to live. They're worried about providing for their families. And I feel like that pulls away from what the time that they could be using to spend on making themselves a better athlete. So really I'm hoping, you know, alongside other people who are championing that same cause, hoping to just raise awareness and really hope to, give people a better idea of what what it's looking like for these players and hopefully see some improvement down the road it's it's sort of i, I don't understand the opposition's fight i don't really uh, just looking through some of your mentions that people are coming back with i just don't understand their fight it's like these guys are woefully underpaid it's not just they're underpaid they're woefully underpaid they're below like you said in your tweet the poverty line it's ridiculous i mean these are supposed to be athletes these are guys that are meant to be getting themselves tuned they're meant to be uh, using the correct nutrition when they're trying to get themselves tuned and they're trying like you say to be focusing on the job that they're trying to do and these are the, your organizations that you follow and you love you want them to have the best players possible but you were, are not willing or don't seem to want to support the fact that they're not getting paid. I don't understand what the counter argument is and what the the sort of the constant replies you get. What's your regular reply that you end up getting on this? Yeah, it's it's really it's an odd odd conversation because I think a lot of it comes from a lack of understanding of how it works behind the scenes. I think a lot of people say, you know, they speak from a place of jealousy of saying, "Well, I would love to yes. play baseball for a career." But they're not understanding the pressures of what goes into the everyday lifestyle of the players. And you ask the players about it. They just want to be understood. They just want people to understand where they're at. They understand the challenge. They understand what they've signed up for. But all they're really asking for is a wage that's going to give them a lifestyle where they don't have to worry as much about things. And um, just a very good group of guys, um, guys who really just want a chance to to not have that stress to that degree and then be able to focus on the career and hopefully see the success that they're all working towards. So it's, it's definitely a, a challenging subject, but we're hoping to see some improvement in the, the next few years if all goes well. Is there, is there any sort of insider rumors you're hearing? Is there anything to do with the, you know, the, the upcoming CBA? Is there anything that's starting to get pushed at all that you know of? Um, really just discussions, um, nothing concrete that I've been told. Obviously, yeah. you hear rumblings. Um, most of what I hear is off the record. And it's um, it's stuff that it, it, I, what I would say is I think the major league players are really starting to understand the severity 
of this issue with the minor league players. And yeah. you're starting to see more of them speak out publicly over Twitter. Um, Adam Wainwright from the Cardinals um, posted some things. Sean Doolittle with the Nationals. He's become a lot more vocal. And there's been other players mixed throughout as well. So I think they're starting to understand how difficult it is for the minor league players. And knowing that, you know, they really they really have a long ways to go before they get a chance to consider playing at the major league level. And so they're just saying, look, put them in a position to succeed, give them an environment where they can find success and then let them work for the rest of it. And hopefully it, uh, hopefully it develops some more good players, but really right now it's just kind of sticky for everybody. And um, when the new collective bargaining agreement comes back into discussion, I believe in 2021, mm-hmm. um, there's a chance that that could include some more minor league discussion. But until then, we just have to kind of sit back and wait and see what happens. Um, on average, how many DMs do you get from minor league players after you put out a tweet like that thanking you? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot of them. Because the tricky part about... Um, the situation they're in is that if you go public with it, you risk getting released. And that's, yeah. that's a very touchy aspect of it, but it's the truth. And the players know that they're aware of that. And a lot of them just don't want to take that risk. So it's uh, it's a very tough place to be, but I feel like I get to be kind of a sounding board for them um, over my DMS and <laughs> <laughs> see, kind of see how they're feeling from there. Just shout at me, shout at me lots. <laughs> um, so, uh, what's the what's the feeling with the um, the coaches, the clubhouse guys, the um, the scouts, the analysts, the guys that sort of work in those minor league teams? Are they all with the players and going, yeah, you should be earning more, or is it is it a case of come on, we all need to muck in together, and this is this is tough times, and we all want to get to the top, but we've all got to do this together. Yeah, it's it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag because there really is two sides to the story. There is the difficulty of balancing out, you know, the the overtime pay aspect. There is, yeah. you know, difficulty in the expenses of how much are minor league teams bringing in as far as revenue because all their salaries come from the major league clubs. Yeah. So the minor league clubs don't pay the salaries. Um, so there's so many different facets to it that I think is just a matter of making it a priority and then sitting down and saying, how can we improve this? Mm. And even if it's just small changes or small improvements here or there, you're sort of getting back into more of a position of saying, we want this to be, you know, a, an equipping and an empowering environment for our players and try and set them up for as much success as we can. And until then, it's really just going to take a lot of, I think, roundtable discussions and seeing what can be figured out to bring some balance to it. Um, the, the minor league players haven't got a union, have they? They've not got the like the MLBPA. So there's, nobody, Correct, there's yeah. nobody really protecting them. So if, let's say, the owner of the Dodgers decided, um, I'm going to start paying my minor leaguers a lot more. I'm going to double their salary or triple their salary. Is that going to, is that going to then cause hassles for everybody else and all the other owners? Or will it be the sort of the, the one that breaks it and starts setting everyone off on the same track? You know, I, I think, and again, I'm, I'm not as familiar with all of the, those specific legalities from the ownership perspective, yeah. but I really think from what I've been told, it just comes down to someone saying, I want to be the first one to make a difference. Yeah, okay. I want to be the first one to make a change. And they could change it if they wanted to, but then there's all of the little things that go along with it. So it really requires a lot of thinking ahead and saying, how is this going to impact our 
club? How is this going to impact the organization? And then trying to take some steps from there. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, um, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. Um, I wonder if it's the sort of thing that's, I mean, for the, the big superstars that are getting signed on draft day with their big, um, the big signing bonus, et cetera, and the slot money, um, it's not really a problem, but I wonder if it's going to start driving some of those, those, you know, lesser talents away from the sport and to go somewhere else. Yeah, it's it's really it's it's such a touchy subject because you have guys like Kyler Murray who was signed by Oakland yeah. um, in the most recent draft, and obviously there was all of the conversation surrounding him with the possibility that he would play football instead of baseball. And a lot of people have concluded now that he officially announced he's going to pursue football instead. They all said, "Well, if the pay had been better in the minors, would he have reconsidered?" <laughs> And that's that's really a question none of us can answer. We don't we don't know what his thought process was. Yeah. But there is always that question of would he have reconsidered because he he had a pretty he had a pretty comfortable bonus that was offered to him. And knowing that you can play your cards right and you can you can do pretty well for yourself. But, you know, it's it's really just a question of, you know, would that have made a difference? Maybe we'll never know. But I just think there needs to be some balance brought in there. Um, I, I kind of. When I saw the Colin Murray news, I wasn't surprised. And I don't really blame him Like to, to go to the NFL and just get that flash-to-bang money straight away and, you know, potentially a, a starting slot immediately, maybe after one season. So I, I can kind of – I get his point, and I get I get why he's done it. Um, I don't blame him at all because, you know, he could could try for baseball for the next four or five years, nothing happened, just make it to, you know, double-A, triple-A, and that's it. And then that's it, career over, done, finished. Um, and you can't really go to the NFL straight after that. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a very tricky balance, and so for him, I don't cast any judgment. Um, I don't I don't really you know judge him for the decision he made because ultimately it's his decision. He gets to decide what he feels is best, and he had you know advisors around him, and he had his family around him, and it's um it's something that was ultimately up to him, and that was the route he decided to go. Yeah. I don't blame them at all. Um, so your your post for the athletic, I believe it's coming out in the next couple of weeks, which will be um, sort of driving this and, and encapsulating everything we've spoken about and more. Correct. Yep. I uh, put together a piece, got some some opinions from the players, and sort of walked through what a regular season looks like for them. Um, got some very sobering stories and also some very entertaining stories um, to kind of give fans a little bit better of an idea of what they look at every year. Um, and hoping that it opens some more eyes for the fan base. No, fantastic. Looking forward to it. Um, so if people want to get into writing and get into the industry, and especially um, for women as well, what's what's your guidance? What's your what's your advice for them? Yeah, I would say really um, work to find your voice is is a big place to start because mm-hmm. there's so many people who want to be writers. There's so many people who want to work in baseball. There's so many people who are chasing that. So you really have to ask yourself, what makes you different? What's different about the content that you're producing and the, the connections that you have and the work that you're putting out there? And um, a big part of it, too, is surrounding yourself with people who are going to help you and they're going to they're going to work with you and set you up for success. And I, I can't say enough about the the mentors and the just the role models who have come alongside me. You know, Jason Stark, Ken Rosenthal, Katie Strang. Um, Emma Spann, like I could just, I could go on and on and on about all of these different people and really having them by my side is what really pushed me to keep going because it's, 
it's not easy. It's not an easy thing if you're juggling two different jobs and you're trying to, you know, get your name out there and sort of produce the type of content that really sets you apart. It's something that you just have to keep working hard at and hope that someone takes that chance on you. So that's been my goal. And I've tried to sort of help people along as well who are trying to pursue the same thing. No, you're doing an incredible job and um, we all Thank love you. reading you and uh, looking forward to the, the pace of this year and looking forward to your coverage on the Tigers, the Padres, two very exciting systems with um, a lot of talent coming through them. Um, Emily, if people want to follow you, where can they, where can they find you? Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at Emily C. Walden. That's E-M-I-L-Y-C-W-A-L-D-O-N. Uh, that's my Twitter. And then obviously, as we mentioned, um, I have stuff going up at The Athletic MLB. And then I'll have something in the next two weeks that's going to go up for The Athletic Detroit on some minor league players. And I'm looking forward to getting the season started. I'm very stir crazy, especially with the snow. So I'm ready to get out of the cold and find some sunshine. Just just stare at spring training. Just cover cover around the sides of your eyes, around the top of your head. Just focus on that <laughs> iPad. And just stare at spring training and enjoy it. Um, Emily, thanks so much for joining us. It's been absolutely brilliant. Um, you can find me uh, at Pedroia's Face and you can find Batflips and Nerds at Batflips and the Score Nerds. Uh, the website's batflipsandnerds.com. Um, we've got plenty of writing going up at the minute. We've got Gavin who's pumping out a load of interviews at the moment. And I think he's got a few big names that you'll be interested in reading very, very soon. So keep an eye on the website for those. Um, you'll find us again later on this week. We're going to be podcasting. So we'll be chatting about the big Manny Machado move and also looking at Harper if he's moved at that point, which probably won't have happened. But anyway, you'll see us later on in the week. Emily, thanks again and um, see you soon. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Looking forward to speaking again soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.